is so very important what you believe about Jesus. Let's stand for the reading of God's word, can we? It's so important what you believe about Jesus. Even the demons believe in God. If you say you believe in God, we got to immediately say, well, what God? Which God? Because people make up their own God. They tend to make up the God who won't mess with their stuff. All right? That's the God they make up. They make up a God like that. Uh, a God who won't cramp their style or convict them or anything like that. So we make up our own God. So if you say you believe in God, okay, so do the devils. But here's the thing. What do you believe about Jesus? Because what you believe about Jesus is going to decide your entire eternal destiny. What you believe about Jesus. Who is he to you? And those of you that are watching by home or from home online, we welcome you. And let me ask you, who's Jesus to you? What do you believe about him? Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Well, what do you believe about him? You'd be amazed how confused people are out there about the person of Jesus, who he is, what he did, who he was, who he will be. What do you believe about him? He was just a good guy walking around saying good things, blessing people, inspirational personality, right up there with other religious leaders of history. What do you believe about him? Well, I'm going to show you today that it really matters what you believe about Jesus. And I'm going to bring out two major things we, we must believe about Jesus. We must. What the Bible teaches. I'm calling this, will the real Jesus please stand up? The real Jesus. So I'm going to read out of Matthew 24, verse 1, starting in verse 1. This is right at the end of Jesus' ministry. He's about to be betrayed, crucified, terribly treated. And so he's in the temple and he's leaving the temple for the last time. He's never going to be in the temple again. And it says, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said to them something shocking and startling to them. And he said, do you not see all these things? The, the temple was one of the wonders of the world architecturally. It was famous as a building. And Jesus said, don't you see all these things? And surely I say to you, not one solitary stone is going to be left upon another that is not going to be thrown down. This stunned them. Verse three. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they're all bothered with this. So they say to him, tell us, when will these things be? Now that these things is the temple coming down. But then they, were, they decided, well, as long as we've got his ear, let's ask him more. And so they said, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your return? And at the very end of the world, what are the signs we can look for? Jesus answered, now I want you to look at his answer very carefully because the first thing out of his mouth was watch out. Watch out. Watch out for what? That nobody deceives you. Watch out. That's the first thing. What is the sign of your coming? Here's his answer. Mass deception. 
global pandemic deception. That's his answer. He says in verse five, for a lot of people, many are going to come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and they will deceive a few. Is that what it said? They will deceive how many? Many. So in other words, their deception is going to work on a lot of people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And we pray you will bless it and wake us up. Help us to be alert spiritually. And Lord, we just thank you for the word of the Lord that endures forever. This is God's word. And we thank you for it speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, watch out. Now, when I was preparing for this series, I remembered an old game show. If you remember this game show, you're a boomer. It's, it's that long ago. I was a little kid when this game show was on, but it was called To Tell the Truth. How many of you remember To Tell the Truth? Okay. <laughs> Boomers, all of them. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Um, they would get three people on a panel. And every one of those people would claim to be this one person. It it was a different person every week. They would all say, I'm so-and-so. Let's say Mr. Jones. I'm Mr. Jones. And and the the, uh, gist of the game was to figure out which one was the real one. Because the other two were imposters every time. So when the end of the show came, it was this big unveiling moment. And the host would say, well, the real Mr. Jones stand up. And the real one would stand up and the other two would sit there, the fakes, the phonies, and all the audience either had it right or they had gotten it wrong. I had to think of Jesus regarding that show because I want to say, will the real Jesus please stand up? Will the real Mr. Jones please stand up? He'd stand up. What about the real Jesus? The real Jesus needs needs to be known. Not the imposters, the real one. Because there's a lot of imposters out there. And Jesus said there would be. We want to mark this down now. He said there's going to be imposters, many. Deception is going to be one of the earmarks of the last days before I return. Deception. Comes from a Greek word, planao. And it means to cause to wander. To lead astray, to get off course. Uh, to deviate from the correct path, to roam into error. Deception. There'll be many deceivers, planao, who will cause people to roam away, to drift away from the real Jesus. There'll be fakes, phonies, wearing a Jesus disguise, a Jesus mask. But there'll be fakes. But they'll be very convincing. Jesus said the deception is going to be so strong that they will do signs and wonders supernaturally, but the the supernatural source won't be God. It'll be a dark, satanic, supernatural force. They will do great, mega, great signs and wonders, pointing to the wrong Christ, the wrong answer, the wrong one, the imposters. Will the real Jesus please stand up? That's that's what Jesus said. He said, watch out for deceivers. 
False Christ, false prophets will rise, show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, you, me. If possible, they'll deceive those who should not be deceivable. So with this in mind, you can know for certain that by way of fake messiahs, and phony prophets, the real Jesus, who was and is, is going to be targeted with a flood of false messaging in order to cause people to roam away, roam away, drift away, stray away from the truth that is in the real Jesus. 2 Timothy 3, 1, many will depart from the faith in the last days. Know this, said Paul, in the last days, many are going to depart from the faith. There's the warning again, giving heed to seductive spirits and things taught by devils. So false teaching, false prophets, false Christ, and not just people standing up saying, hey, guess what? Uh, You know, I, I happen to be Jesus or I happen to be the Messiah. Not just that, but a fake false Jesus presented by teachers that are teaching false messages about Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, it's happening right now everywhere through social media. Social media, there's false prophets on every corner. False teachers, schemers, liars, twisters of God's word. I'm going to to tell you the truth. I've never in my entire life seen more deception than I'm seeing right now on planet earth regarding the things of God, what is of God, from God, what is true about Christ, not true. Historically, the person of Jesus has always been under attack. Always. It started with the Jews of his day. It started with them. I'm not attacking the Jews. I'm just going into Bible history. The Jews of his day accused him of everything under the sun. Terrible things. Jesus endured terrible accusations. They said he's demon-possessed. He's full of a devil. They said he's illegitimate. He's born out of wedlock. You know they said that about Jesus? He's born out of wedlock. So he's a bastard child. Said that about your, your Savior and mine. Uh, He was accused of being insane. Even his own family stood outside of a place where he was teaching and said, he's lost his mind. His own family, they later believed on him and called him Lord. But at that time, they they said he's crazy. (laughs) Um, They accused him of being a blasphemer, a liar, a fraud. Everything was leveled at Christ, attacking his person, his character, his calling, his deity who he was. Jesus was attacked. He's always been attacked. He always will be attacked. That's why it's so important that you and I know the real one. Amen. Moving forward in history, the subject of who he was, the works he performed, his birth, his death, his resurrection have been the the targets of constant attack. It seems to me about every six to 12 months, a new book comes out 
to prove that he wasn't who Christianity says he is. The latest one I know anything about was written by a Muslim, and the book is entitled Redefining Jesus. Redefining. Anytime you see that redefining Jesus, put it down and run. Because he doesn't need to be redefined. He needs to be defined. Amen? Rightly defined. But redefining Jesus, where the, the, the person of Jesus is undermined and distorted in this book. It happens all the time. But, but listen, I got news for you. Here's something that just, I can't wrap my mind around it, but it's true. It's a poll. But Barna, a Christian pollster, took a poll recently and, and found that one third of people of evangelicals, people who say, yes, I'm born again. Yes, I know Jesus. One third of them said he was not God. One third. Now I want you to catch that. One third of evangelicals, that's supposed to be people that witness about Jesus. One third of them polled, said, I don't believe he was God. He was a good guy, great teacher, wonderful representative of God, but he was not very God. Well, he wasn't very God, then what are we doing here? Because if he wasn't very God, then the whole story of the, the miraculous conception is not true. Because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That means we know the claim of scripture. The Holy Spirit overshadowed the young teenage Mary. And that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and was and is the son of God. That means that he was truly human, truly God, truly God, truly human. And so if he was not God, then there is no miraculous conception. And then what are we doing? Let's go home and watch Netflix all day till we die. Sixty-five percent said Jesus was the first and greatest being created. This is believers, supposed believers. Sixty-five percent said Jesus was the first and greatest created being. Say what? What Bible are you reading? Created? No, I'm going to show you today. He wasn't created at all. He's always been, always will be. Right? So if there's that much confusion out there in the body of Christ about the person and the work, the deity of Jesus, then I at least want our church straight about who Jesus was and is. Because how are we going to answer the deception? How are we going to answer the deception if we're not even sure ourselves? So I want to take at least a couple of weeks, maybe more, to explore who the real Jesus was and is. I want us to get our, here's the theological word. We, we need our Christology straight. What you believe about Jesus. So this is going to be a theological message we all need. Okay. So I'm going to answer two questions today. One, who did he say he was? Two, who did his disciples say he was? That followed him for three and a half years, walked with him, talked with him, watched him, listened to him, slept where he slept, ate what he ate. They were tied to the hip for three plus years. What'd they say about him? What'd he say about himself? Well, first, who did Jesus say that he was? Let's get clear on this. 
Who did Jesus say that he was? Well, let me just put it real simple. He said, I'm God. Jesus said he was God. And folks, if we believe anything else, then we don't have the real Jesus. We got an imposter on the panel. We need the real Jesus to stand up. So who was he? Jesus said he was God. Maybe you've never thought about that, but he had to be. The only begotten son of God, if the Holy Spirit conceived him in a virgin's womb, then his daddy, who's your daddy? You could say to Jesus, he'd say, my daddy is God. My daddy is Father God. So I am also truly God, truly human, and truly God at the same time. One day the Pharisees giving him a hard time. They're always giving him a hard time. And they're debating with him. You, you always lost when you debated Jesus. But, but listen to this exchange. They said to him, and they were not being nice. John 8, 53. Are you greater than our father Abraham? They deified Abraham. Okay, so are you greater? Are you telling us you're greater than our father Abraham? He died. And so did all the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. They all died. So they said to Jesus, who do you think you are? I can almost hear Jesus saying, I'm so glad you asked. Because let me tell you who I am. Jesus answered, your father Abraham rejoices as he looked forward to my coming. Abraham knew that a Messiah would come. And so that's what Jesus means. He rejoiced when he saw my day, when he knew that I would come one day. He died in faith, believing that I would come one day. He saw it and was glad. And the people reacted to Jesus And they said, you aren't even 50. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, and he's about to blow their minds. He answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. Oh my. Now that was like a great big slap across the face of all the Pharisees. And they went ballistic. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. They were going to stone him to death. But Jesus was hidden from them and he left the temple. So he said this in the temple. The Jews knew exactly what he meant when he said, I am. Because that was an Old Testament designation for God. You remember that when Moses was with burning bush and God said, I'm calling you to set my people free from Egypt. Moses, very insecure, said, well, who will I tell them sent me? And God said, you tell them I am has sent me to you. I am. What does I am mean? It means the eternally existing one. There's only one person that fits that description. God. The eternally existing one. So Moses went and told Pharaoh, I am sent me. But here's Jesus saying, before Abraham was born, I am. So he's looking him right in the eye and saying, I happen to be God. Are you with me? Now let me tell you what that meant to them. Abraham had lived 1,800 years earlier. I know this is bending your mind like a pretzel, but watch this now. That's 18 centuries ago, 
Jesus said, I was there. Before Abraham was born, I am. You know, God always am. 500 years ago, he am. Today, he am. 500 years from now, he still am. Because he doesn't live in time. He doesn't live in time. He lives outside of time. He created time. He's not subject to time. He sees the eternal past, the eternal present, and the eternal future all at once. And so here's the thing. So Jesus rocked their world when he said, before Abraham was born 18 centuries ago, I was there as God the Son. God the Son. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was not some nice guy walking around in sandals with long hair, Hollywood handsome, saying neat things to people about God. No, no. When Jesus looked at you, God was looking at you and he read your mail. That's how he could read your mail because he was God. So the Jewish leaders, when he said this, they tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, but he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So what does it say Jesus did? He made himself equal with God. Why? Because he was God. How is half the church world confused about that? Because somebody hadn't been preaching it. Right? Jesus made a lot of statements about his godness. Let me give you a few quick things about his godness. He said in John 6, 38, I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me. So you know what he's saying there? He claims he didn't come from planet earth. But he came, like all of us did, if you didn't come from planet Earth, can I meet you at the end of the service? And I want you to tell me about it because you're telling me you're an E.T. But no, Jesus says, all of you came from Earth, but not me. I came down from heaven. Only God can say that. John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. In essence and in nature, I am God the Son, equal to God the Father. I am God the Son, equal to God the Father. John 12, 45, he who sees me sees him who sent me. So to see me is to see God. To know me is to know God and to see me is to see God. He clearly is telling us he's God. So to the evangelical world, wake up. If he's not God, you're not saved. God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world. God was in Christ on the cross. If he's not God, he couldn't die for you. He had to be God. Amen. Everybody say with me, he's God. And God, the son is coming back. And he's going to raise the dead. How's he going to raise the dead? Because he's God. What the disciples say about him, who they say he was. In the opening lines of John's gospel is one of the greatest Christological uh, passages of scripture you're ever going to read. He writes in John 1, 1, in the beginning. Does that ring a bell? Because Genesis 1, 1 begins in the beginning. John 1, 1, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But in John's gospel, in the beginning was the word. And that's true. Because God spoke and everything came into existence.
In the beginning. What's the beginning that John's talking about? The beginning of creation. When creation began, when God began speaking everything into existence, God the Son, the Word, was there. So this takes him farther back, way further back than Abraham. Takes him to the beginning. In the beginning of all creation was God the Son. And John gives him a designation no one else does. He calls him the Word. Why does he call him the Word? Well, right now I'm speaking to you out of my heart, out of my mind. I'm expressing to you my thoughts. And God is telling us through John, that's who Jesus was. He was God's Word to the world, expressing God's thoughts, His will, His person, His heart, Jesus was the word of God to the world. And he makes it crystal clear that the word was eternal God. And the word was with God and the word was God. How do you not get that? What are these people not seeing here? The word was God. You know what that means in Greek? The word was God. It's not complicated. It's not rockets. The word was God. He was the eternal God. And the word was with God and the word was God. Now John nails it further in verse 2. He says he was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. Jesus, our Savior. As a feature, true only of God, he has no beginning And he has no end. You know what that means? He was never created. How is is over half of the Christian world saying he's God's greatest creation? He wasn't created. If he was created, then he's not God. The angels were created. Seraphim were created. Cherubim were created. But not Jesus. There was never a point in history where he came to be. He always was. And he is and always will be. Are you with me? I got to tell you one more mind blower about him. Watch this now. Not only was he God, but he also made everything. There's nothing that was made that didn't flow through his fingertips. Listen to what John says in verse 3. All things were made and came into existence through him. And without him, not even one thing was made that's come into being. If you love the created world, I do. I look at the creatures God made. I look at the birds. I've always been fascinated with the birds. So beautiful, so delicate, so refined, so multicolored and multifaceted and just the the fact that they can fly right and they're so beautiful and I look those flow through the fingertips of Jesus all the mammals all the marine life the birds the planets the galaxies the solar systems the sun the moon everything Isn't that what he said? All things were made 
and came into existence through the one who died on the cross for us. Paul, Colossians 1. What did the disciples say about him? Well, here's Apostle Paul. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. If you see Jesus, you're seeing God. He's the visible of the invisible. He's the visible reflection of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. There it is. He was eternal. He existed before anything was created. And he is supreme over all creation. He is Lord over all creation. For through him, here it is, through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and he made the things we can't see. The whole spiritual world out there that is beyond our five senses. He made it. He made it. Thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him. And guess what? They were all made for him. That's why I tell you, you'll never find yourself. Well, I'm going to search for myself. I'm looking for myself. Well, quit looking. Go to the cross and you'll find yourself. Go to the cross. What do you mean, Jeff? I mean, go to the cross where Jesus died for you shed his blood for you, ask him to forgive you, and he will fill you with his spirit and you will be home. And when you're home, you'll realize I was made for him. Right? Oh yeah, I was made for him. And he holds all creation together. Oh church, listen to me. We're not going by global warming. We're going by warming of another kind. Now watch this. It says, the word of Jesus holds all the atoms together. And that, he holds all creation together. He's the cohesive glue of all creation. He holds it all together. He speaks and it all falls apart. He speaks and it stays together. History is not going to end with global warming or a nuclear war. History is going to end at the nail-scarred feet of Jesus. Paul said, we're looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. God and Savior, one and the same. Peter, now Christ is in heaven, sitting in the place of honor next to God the Father with all the angels and powers of heaven bowing before him and obeying him. I heard somebody on YouTube, oh goodness, sometimes I needed to go take an extra strength, etc. after I've seen some of these things on YouTube. But here's a guy saying that he commanded his own angels to go and do this and that and the other for him. He, he commissioned is the way he put it. Folks, can we get humble before God? An angel is never going to obey you or me. Who are you? You're not God. They obey God. They obey Christ. Nobody commissions angels. We ask for the mercy of God. If he wants to commission one, he'll do it. But it stops there. The nutty stuff out there. History is going to end with every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. So what, what does this mean for us in closing? Here's what it means. It means that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. When Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem that first Christmas morn, God had wrapped himself in skin. He became human. And from a baby onward, through the silent years of no ministry and carpentry work with Joseph, all the way to his appearance in his ministry and miracles, he was truly human, truly God, and truly God, and truly human. Never was he separated from his deity. So can we stand together today? Well, this is uh, Christology 101. That's it. So who was he? He was God. Amen? He was God. And he's coming back. He's coming back. Amen? So let's pray together. If you could bow with me for prayer. Lord, we just thank you. You're truly the God-man. And Lord, we thank you that you did humble yourself and condescend and come to earth to walk among us, feel our pain, speak into our agony, show us the way out. And then you went back to the Father where right now you sit at the right hand as God the Son. And Lord, you came to die for us, to shed your blood so that we could be saved from our sin and its consequences. And Lord, we thank you for that. And with every head bowed, I want to just say, just pretend, forget everybody around you, Let's just you and me talk a second. I'm talking to everyone here individually, all right? Let me ask you, has the blood of Jesus covered your sin? Have you ever asked him, have you gone to the cross and said, Lord, I am a sinner. I have sinned. And I need you, because you're the only one who can wash away my sin and deliver me from the consequences of coming judgment. Have you done that? Can I tell you, you're never going to find you, not fully, until you do. You're never going to have total peace until you do. And so I'm going to say a prayer. And if you can say, you know, Jeff, I, I don't even know for sure. I think I did, but I'm not sure. Or I know I never have. I am sure. I want you to pray with me. Maybe you need to come home today. Maybe, like I said in the beginning, you've roamed, you've drifted, you've strayed. 
and you need to come home. Can I tell you the porch light to God's house is on? And he says, come home and I'll receive you. So if you've drifted and strayed and roamed, I want you to come home. I'm going to give you the chance to come home. So as I pray this prayer, would you pray it with me? Forget about it. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Forget what they think. What matters is what God thinks. So pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I've sinned and it broke my relationship with God. It separated me from God. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved today. Come into my heart and be my savior. I place my faith in you. And if you've drifted, pray this, say, Lord, forgive me for drifting away. I want to come home. Receive my repentance and wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name, I fully return to you, Lord. Amen. Now with our heads bowed, You can say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. I'm not in any way going to embarrass you, but just raise your hand where you are. I prayed that with you. And amen. God bless you. Raise your hand. Let me see you. Yes, ma'am, I see you. God bless you. And I see you back there and over here and over here. God bless you. Amen. And here, God bless you. It's so good to see these wonderful responses because listen, that's the most important prayer in your whole life you will ever pray. So those of you that raise your hand, would you look at me? Just look up at me if you raise your hand. Because I'm looking at you, so you look at me. All right. As soon as I dismiss this service, would you let me meet you? I want you to come down and tell me you prayed with me and I want to rejoice with you and there's something I want to give you to take home with you. So those of you that raise your hand, would you come down? Say, oh, I got to make it to the restaurant. Come down and you'll get a better seat. I'm just saying that in faith, but I believe if you honor God, God will honor you. Amen. So if you prayed that with me, I'm going to wait for you down here. And I want you to come and say, I prayed with you and I rejoice with you. Can we thank the Lord for these people? Amen. 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 Well, I know it was very theological today, but how many of you needed that? How many of you say, Amen. So if somebody ever says, yeah, Jesus was a great guy walking around right up there on par with Muhammad and Buddha and Confucius. Say, no, 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 no. Will the real Jesus please stand up? He is light years beyond Muhammad and Buddha and Confucius. Amen.